Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I'm your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Today, I'm here with Michael Sowers, former Navy SEAL, Samantha Bonilla, former Marine, the power couple behind Forged Clothing. <laughs> Today, we're talking about the Murph Challenge. We are gonna go hike, rock, trail over here in San Miguel Chula Vista. Um, we're gonna learn more about the Murph Challenge. We're gonna learn more about Forged. Really excited. Thank you guys We're for uh, coming excited. out. Thank yeah, you for thanks having for us. having us on, Sean. Super, super exciting. One of the things that we talk about on Digital Hospitality every week is that your business has to be digital. Your business has to be in the hospitality business. We became friends because of Instagram and Yelp. They found our business on Yelp. They, thankfully our team did an amazing job and they had a great meal. They tagged us in their photo and now we're out here talking about their incredible company and all the great work that you guys do. Absolutely. So uh, we're gonna also find out how a civilian can participate in the Murph Challenge because someone like me that's out of shape, I am not a Navy SEAL, I am not a professional athlete, but I love everything that you guys do for our veterans and for all the active duty. Um, I'm grateful for that and I want you guys to give us some tips on how a civilian can participate and support all the great work you do. Awesome, Sean, thank you. Let's yeah. go. Let's do it. We'll see you at the top of the mountain. So how many hikes would you guys say you go on in a month? In a month? Uh, we typically try to do at least one a week. One a week? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it depends on work schedule. Right now we're prepping everything for the Murph Challenge. So we've got a lot of extra work going on right now so we don't get to go out as much as we want to. But typically we like to plan at least one hike a week. Perfect. And for the Murph Challenge, uh, you do retail shirts for the Murph Challenge? Yeah, this is actually one of the shirts I'm wearing right now is our official shirt from last year. Okay. And all of the products that you can find that help support the Murph Challenge, if you just go to our website, themurfchallenge.com, it has all the information on there and you can go online, register, find out how you can support the Murph Challenge, what the Murph Challenge is about, and if you have a gym or an organization that wants to become an official host, you can also go on there and see how to become official host and register your organization. And a portion of all of those proceeds go directly to the, the Lieutenant Michael P. Murphy Memorial Scholarship Foundation, which helps award scholarships each year. And it also helps, well, I guess finalize construction, right? On the new Murph Seal Museum that's in Sayreville, right? New York? Yeah, right now they're actually working on a museum it's almost completed. Looking at this summer to finalize the completion on it. It is an amazing project that Dan Murphy, Michael's father, has been heading up. And probably around June or July will be the time frame where they're hoping to open it up. And it definitely, I would say, if you get a chance, if you're ever out in Long Island, in uh, Sayreville, New York, definitely go check it out. Yeah. So, Mike, when did you decide to become a Navy SEAL? I started, uh, uh, I guess, investigating the idea when I was in high school, probably around uh, 14, 15 years old. Trails this way. This is not a trail. Always follow the signs when you're yeah. on a trail. So Always this... follow the signs. Sambo may disagree with me. I was, gonna, yeah, I was just going to say, normally we would be going that way. Wait, this is not a trail? Let's go this way. What's I, the Navy SEAL way? Yeah, I that would, way. The hardest the way hardest possible. Way, the, hardest the hardest way, way, way possible. Yeah, so I was, uh, actually the first time I had ever heard of a Navy SEAL, I guess, was from that movie with Charlie Sheen. Okay. Um, I, I, I mean, I had a few uncles who were in the military, but I wasn't from a military family. 
so I didn't really have a vast knowledge of how the military worked or the whole structure and system of it. But what I did know is I didn't like going to school and studying, but I did like playing a lot of sports and athletics. And I was very interested in activities like skydiving and scuba diving, hiking and shooting weapons. And I grew up in a small town in central Pennsylvania, a place called Port Allegheny and is very well known for hunting and fishing. So I did a lot of hunting and fishing growing up. Uh, so it just seemed like the military, special operations, especially Navy SEALs, was real enticing to me because it, it was something that involved a lot of activities that I wanted to do and it had a lot of meaning and a lot of uh, patriotism. And, and just basically, you know, it, it, it was something that I figured would give me, you know, a lot of drive and self-worth. And it was really a challenge because, you know, when I looked at the different special operations groups in the military, the SEALs come out to me as being the top tier. And it seemed like it had... Whoa, whoa, careful. <laughs> you have a Marine. You need, to, you need to be careful. This is true. Yeah. This is true. I've worked with a lot of Marines, and I would say Marines are great people marines are awesome fighters they <laughs> she's looking at every word be careful what you we're say we're great people <laughs> we're great people you're not navy seal no, but you're great people. people cut that part out, cut that part out. <laughs> uh. but uh no I, I i fought beside a lot of marines and i i mean i i can't say enough about marines they are very disciplined. They are always there to back you up whenever you need them. And they never give you any flack. They never tell you, well, maybe I'm going to think about that or not show up indecisive. Never. Marines are always there. So when, when someone decides that they want to become a Navy SEAL, what's the process after the research and you decide, yes, that's what I want? Well, Nowadays, with all the technology, it's actually fairly easy to research the process. Um, you can go on uh, NavySealSwick.com, the official website uh, for the Navy SEALs. And if you go on there, there's information. You can email or call, and they will hook you up with an actual SEAL recruiter. Uh -huh. So you can talk to a regular Navy recruiter, but we also have uh, some civilians who are former SEALs who work as civilian SEAL recruiters. So you would come in contact with a SEAL recruiter and they would basically brief you on all of the requirements. There's a, a physical test that you would have to pass. Uh, there's also an aptitude test that you have to pass. And then there are also some psychological tests that you have to pass. Are you thinking about enlisting, Sean? No. <laughs> I don't think so. There's there, much, there much is a, men and women out there to protect us than me. There, there is. I, a, I, I prefer to stay in my playground. There is a cutoff, and but you can get an age waiver. What's the oldest Navy SEAL? Uh, Navy there's. Seal? I mean, I've been out of uh, instructing for a while, so I'm not current on if uh, the latest if anyone else has come through. But the oldest that I know of is uh, a guy who was uh, 37 years old. 37, I already missed my cutoff. But he was also, he was also a former recon Marine for, oh, yeah. for, for about 13 <laughs> years before he came over to the SEAL side. 
And then, so he, he became a seal at 37? Yes. And then how long would he stay in? Um, I believe he's still in actually. Wow. He's a commander at one of the highest levels as well. So I, I spent oh, the good part of six months convincing Sam that there was no, uh, no danger, danger to swimming in the ocean yeah. and sharks won't <laughs> attack you. They don't like humans. <laughs> yeah. And then the day before she's about to do her certification dive, someone gets attacked 20 miles from the location that well, we're supposed to dive. Before me and Mike started dating, I never went into the ocean, lakes, nothing. Like, fish scared the shit out of me. Really? Yeah. So how did you get over your fear of water? Mike. Was it the fear of water? <laughs> no, it was just what's in the water that ah. I can't see that freaked me out. Um, so when we first started dating, we went on our first trip together to Costa Rica. Right? And yep. he booked a uh, like snorkeling trip. And I'm like, well, shit, that means I have to get in the water, you know? So, so you put, thought you were going to go to Costa Rica and not have to get in the yeah. water? I thought we were just relaxing. With a Navy a, SEAL? Yeah. <laughs> I've learned since Little then. did she know. Little yeah. did she know. So we get on this boat. We go out there. Everyone's putting their snorkel gear on, jumping in. Wow, look at all these fish in here. So now I'm really getting freaked out. You know, and I wouldn't go in. I refused. I'm like, I'm not doing it. He's like, help me out here. <laughs> Trying to catch my breath. Well, <laughs> once we get out on the boat... Uh, and mind you, these fish are, it's like parrot fish and trigger fish. It's some angel fish. <laughs> they're probably. I'm thinking like river monsters. Have you ever watched they're that They're like show? a foot long, so, shiny, no. colory fish. And uh, so we get out there and I'm, I get in the water. I show her it's safe. And then I'm trying to coax Sam in the water. So I'm Here's how he coaxed me. <laughs> get I in I the fucking water. Get in the fucking get water. Get in the fucking water right now. I paid for this trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not go all how, the way well, there. How long have you I been mean, dating? How long have you been dating? At that point, I think like six months probably. Yeah, at that point, it was about six yeah. months. Well, that, so, was, that was the make or break it point yes. right there? Oh, yeah. You either I, get I in mean, this fucking water. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I spent a good hour. I spent uh. a good hour trying to coax her into water, being nice. You didn't spend a good hour. The excursion would have been over. He's dramatizing this. <laughs> so I jumped in, and it was the greatest thing ever. Like, See? haven't been out of the water See? Since. Aren't you happy? Look at that. Everybody some... needs a little push sometimes. Yes. <laughs> Just a little push. Get in the fucking water. Get you're on, not, the, you're get not on the ski slope. You're yeah. not living until you're out of your comfort zone. No, skiing is a whole nother... I'm okay. We're you're... still working on skiing. Yeah. We've got a long time to go with skiing. Don't, you can't give up now. You have plenty <sighs> of time. Sambos aren't native to the uh, so, snow climate. Can you give us a little bit of... San Diego seal. I was trying to tell you, I'm like running out of breath. It's <laughs> a hell of a view. So, where? San Diego, obviously, military town. But this is where you did your seal training. This is where you also trained. Right over seals. there in Coronado. That is correct. It's funny because. After, like when you first come to San Diego, all you see is the sun and the ocean, palm trees, and you're like, this is beautiful. But once you get into budge training, well, the funny thing is people look at San Diego and they see palm trees and ocean and they think, oh man, this water must be 80 degrees. <laughs> but the Pacific Ocean is relatively cold. I mean, it averages about 60 degrees all year round. So the first time you get to Buds and somebody tells you, go hit the surf, you're like, ah, no big deal. And then you hit it, the water, and you're like, whoa, this is actually kind of cold. 
So after a while, you just build up this hate for water and sand. So pretty much going to the beach, that's nothing that we ever want to do. Well, you love to go I to love the beach going, and lay in the sun. I love going, but we never go anymore. Unless we're going to go scuba diving, we don't just relax on the beach. Yeah. It's not fun for Mike. So if, if I go to the beach, I usually take a chair and a very large umbrella yes. and a cooler, and I'll just plant the umbrella in the He's sand. He's got his socks pulled up to here so he doesn't burn. Like. I wear a full rash guard and oh, a floppy yes. hat, put the zinc out my nose there, and then she's just sprawled out like this yes. with a bikini that I can fit in my front pocket <laughs> and just laying in the sun. Yeah, total opposites on that one. But, but, but definitely after you go through SEAL training, it, it gives you this this ugly uh, thought in your head every time someone says let's go get in the water just because all you can think about are all those long nights that you were just out there swimming oh two miles open ocean at night no lights yeah that's yeah, great idea great idea oh it was great even the, the instructors decided to show us these shark attack videos from shark week before right. we got in the water and then you got one instructor in the back who's fishing in the boat cutting up his fish and throwing the chum in the water out there so was that you when you were an instructor no no what kind I, of instructor were you i was actually well you know i i, I had a long tenure as an instructor so well, I, I did three years as a uh, active duty mm -hmm. SEAL, and then they hired me back as a civilian contractor. So I, I spent several years after that. So I do have one of the longest tenures as a Navy SEAL BUDS instructor between being on active duty and civilian. Uh, but just like anything like teaching or if you're a football coach, mm -hmm. you know, when you first get there, you're kind of that guy that's like, all right, all right I'm going to change everything. And you kind of think that yelling and screaming and pointing and being erratic is the way to, you know, break into someone's psyche and motivate them. And that's not always the case. I mean, if you look at some of the greatest football coaches, Bill Belichick, yeah, you'll see the guy get mad and angry, but you don't see him going ballistic on the sidelines over there. You got to be cool, calm. In the Marine Corps, it's <laughs> yeah, completely yeah. different. The, yeah. the, the Marines and the SEALs are a little different, different. in that aspect. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's more just with conventionals and special operators and like I said it's just like a boot camp I mean when you take a person that has no training and has no military discipline there's only one way to instill military yeah. discipline that person down you know completely first it, exactly mm -hmm. so as far as when I was an instructor I, I would say I was tough but I was fair Well, I was always tough on an individual. I would hold the standard. Yeah. There's a standard for buds. There, every evolution has a passing time, mm -hmm. or there's a certain number of reps that you have to do, and or a certain procedure that you have to follow. And I would follow that procedure to the book. And if that student could perform that procedure in a prescribed time or in a prescribed manner, then they would pass. I mean, at the end of the day, you don't want a student that you wouldn't want to be a teammate right exactly exactly having been a seal you know that you're preparing them for the ultimate battle in in the, the you know the rea reality of it all is some of the guys that i put through training when i was in active duty i had to go to war with them i deployed with them and i went to war with them and after you are an instructor and you come back to the team that's when you really learn your critique of how good of an instructor you are right. because you hear it from the guys who actually made it 
And I mean, there, there is a level of, you know, a bullshit that you got to put on. I mean, it's Navy SEAL training, you know, mm -hmm. any special operations training isn't easy. Like, you know, going into it, it's going to be hard. You know, it's like if, if you want to pursue a job as an NFL player, you know, going to training camp is going to suck. Yes. It's going to be hard. And it's the same thing in the SEAL teams. You know, it's going to be hard. You know, it's going to suck. So there's just a level of suck it up that you have to deal with. So that's what you have to have, you know, in your your mindset before you even step foot, you know, on, on buds. If you think you're just going to go in there, it's funny you see in the movies sometimes, you know, and guys are like, you can't break me, you can't hurt me, I'm going to show up here and I'm going to crush everybody. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. You're a human. Yeah. You're a human. I can sit there with a uh, boat filled with ice and you can be the strongest guy, you can be the fastest runner, the fastest swimmer. You may think that you are the best athlete in the world and I could just stand there and run iterations. All right, get in the ice boat, sit in there for five minutes, come out for 30 seconds, sit in there for five minutes, come out 30 seconds. Eventually you will break. Yeah. Does everyone break? Yeah, I mean, everyone has a breaking point. It's not like our, you know, our goal in training is to break you down and, 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 and just break your psyche down so much that, that, that we're telling you that, you know, you're broken. I mean, really, we break you down to a point to let you, to humble you. It breaks you down to a point to humble you. And it basically lets you know how much your body can actually put up with. So we, we have a saying, when, when your body wants to give up, or, or sorry, when, when your mind gives up, you still have 60% in the tank. Mm -hmm. So once your mind is giving up, you can still put out 60% more effort than you think you can. I'm always hesitant of that word when people use it, when they say private. What's that? I'm a private, oh, private person. People? Yeah, what the fuck Yeah, I'm a private mean? person. From, from my experience, uh, what that means is I'm a person that doesn't like to expose what I've actually done in my life. Correct, and like, I'm a prick. Yeah. And I'm a total prick. Total I, I've bitch. never met one person in my life that said, I'm a private person. And I've been like, wow, I want to hang out with this person again. 100%. You know? Yeah, it's pretty much the worst thing you can, like, you as a human suck. Sure. You suck as a person. Yep. I don't like interacting with other human beings who are then going to ask me questions about my decisions. That's correct. And I don't have the answer for it. Correct. <laughs> What's the, the best hike you've done so far, Sean? actually like this hike probably the most yeah just because it's i had never done it and i've lived in san diego my whole life uh -huh. and it's just an incredible 360 degree view of downtown san diego coronado mexico yeah it's a great view the whole way Mount up Soledad. a lot of the hikes around here you know you'll have a good view at the top yep but during the approach there's not a whole How's lot to see. What's happening? Hey, how you doing, bud? That's amazing how much there is to do in San Diego. You know, that a lot of San Diego residents don't. Yes. What would you say? Oh, yeah. Like, especially take advantage when, of. Especially when we started getting into the, you know, the hiking scene out here. There, there's so many different trails. And you can hike through so many different environments yeah. as well, which make it awesome. Yeah. You know, there's actually, you know, you can hike out to some 90-foot waterfalls. You can hike, you know, out in Borrego Springs through the desert and in the mud caves. And you got some local hikes like this. Mount Laguna. Yeah, Mount Snow. Laguna is very nice. Uh, I mean, you can actually drive an hour from downtown San Diego, you know, in the wintertime and then be in the snow at Mount Laguna. 
It's incredible. I trust Mike can find the top of this mountain. That was a point, man. <laughs> you were a point, man. So how many different positions are there? Oh. Uh, well, I, I... If you break it down on football terms, how many, how many on, <laughs> well, a, on it, a SEAL team? Well, it, it, it's a lot different on a SEAL team because there's no structure. There is structure, mm -hmm. but each mission is independent Got in it. itself. So, I mean, uh, you could do a reconnaissance mission where you only send out four individuals. Okay. And you could do a hostage rescue mission where you have upwards of 60 individuals on 60, it. wow. What's the most you've been on? I, I mean, as far as just SEALs, um, I mean, I've been on missions where we've had over 50 SEALs on the mission. Wow. But you always have supporting uh, people that are standing by to help you out. I mean, on any mission that you do in special operations, you're going to have assistance from the Army and from the Marines, mm -hmm. and you're always going to have a quick reaction force who's staged just in case something goes wrong. So usually in the SEAL teams a lot, we would use like the Army Rangers as our QRF or the Army Special Forces Green Berets as our QRF. Sometimes What's the QRF? Marines. It's a quick, quick reaction, reaction force. force. Okay. Which means what? What's their responsibilities? Go ahead, Intel. Oh, Intel, <laughs> yeah. tell, Don't Intel. let me interrupt you, please. Continue. I'm catching my breath anyways. Go ahead. Uh, no, the I quick, didn't mean to, no. The quick... I was just trying to invite you into the conversation, <laughs> pretty lady. The, the QRS is just a quick reaction force. Basically, any mission you go on, if that mission, something happens and goes awry, which happens on every single mission, mm -hmm. something comes up that's unexpected, there, who's going to come in and rescue you or aid support to you on that mission? Got it. So if you take 30 guys and you go take down a village and all of a sudden there's 500 people, combatants in that village, We're surrounded. you're going to have a quick reaction force yeah. that it. can come in. It's really important if you've seen like you know, in the movie Lone Survivor, um, on, on the mission Operation Red Wings, they were out on a reconnaissance with only four guys on that mission but when they got contacted they sent in the quick reaction yep. force in the helicopters which a SEAL team quick reaction force came in there and then you know the army sent a quick reaction force in there too also the marines came in with a quick reaction force so it was a joint effort to get those guys out of the mountains got any tri-tip in your pockets or anything Sean? no tri-tip no brisket in your pockets just Come peach on. cobbler <laughs> Uh, don't, don't go on any hike without peach cobbler. I don't know why I'm not losing weight. It's so weird. I, mean, I was going to try that new peach cobbler diet. Yeah, the peach cobbler diet? I, it, I think it's, it's keto friendly. Yeah, it's, it's keto and gluten free. Yes, I've heard. that's correct. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Just don't read any of the ingredients on the that's box. That's correct. Yeah, don't ask us for calorie counts either. See this, Sean? Yeah. This would be the seal path. <laughs> this is the seal path. That's the seal path. This is the seal path. That's the path. This is I the civilian path. <laughs> because I remember this being so much harder. Like I remember eating shit on eating rocks. Eating shit like, on rocks. Yeah. And I just That's remember the being seal pissed path. by the time I got up there. You remember that? Yeah, oh yes. Hold on. A well, hike you were pissed on. Let <laughs> me narrow that down. Well, I, I just moved to Eastlake in Chula Vista, and I don't want to end up on next door being the guy that broke all the path trails. Yeah, if there's one thing they're serious about in California, it's environmental. This is true. 
God knows how all these animals lived here before they had signs on the trail. You know what, Pike, you gotta do. Um, with the one mic we did where you bungee jump off of at the end. A hike? Yeah, the hike we oh, did. Oh, the bridge to nowhere. Yes. Bridge to nowhere, where's that? It's uh, up in... San Bernardino National Forest. Yeah. It's uh, up by Azusa, north of LA. It's a really cool hike. But they have an old bridge out there that got washed out. I believe it was in like the 30s. And you can, you have to hike out too. I think it's about a four or six mile hike. And, and they have a bungee group. jumping yeah, you do it with station out there where you can bungee jump off nice. for a fee, of course. It's pretty cool though. Yeah, actually when we were out there, we found a lost hiker. <laughs> no way. Yes. And we were actually, we actually have footage of the whole thing. We, we actually got to get that video together and release it. We'll I thought do that. it was a joke because he came out of the woods as we're hiking back and he's got no shirt, he's bloody, like scratches everywhere, just dripping blood. And he was yelling help. Yeah. Seriously? <laughs> so I thought it was a joke, right? We thought he was just messing with us at first. He was like on Do all fours, like water? help, help. And so we were on a trail and literally 25 feet from a river and he was asking if he knew where we were, if there's any water. <laughs> And I was looking and was I could see a river 25 feet away. So, so I guess he had gotten separated from his group that morning, wandered off, and had been lost for what, like six or seven hours? Oh yeah. No yeah, water, he, no food. He definitely wouldn't have passed the point man course yeah. for his land navigation. <laughs> he made some very, very bad decisions. It's very important to make sure that you're giving your body the proper nourishment oh, when shit. you're on a hike. <laughs> There's no better just way. Drop the nourishment. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> That's the only food you have left. Never let that go to waste. Now, a proper gentleman always offers the food to his woman first. I'll eat that. <laughs> really? I've surely ate way worse in my day than a bar that fell in the dirt Red for Con, two seconds. Thank you so much for these MRE bars. They're freaking awesome especially without dirt on them. They taste great. I don't Thanks. know. I mean, the dirt really does <laughs> add some you, spice in there. It's a little bit You didn't bad. even offer Sean some of that dirt covered. I was going to offer Sean one that doesn't have dirt on it. Sean. Oh, yeah. That is a good bar right there. Oh, mm -hmm. The top is near. Yes. Isn't it like every time you're hiking? Yes. You think? <laughs> yeah, we're I right there. I remember we were in... Uh, uh, Sicily one time on one of my deployments. This is before 9-11 and it was over uh, Christmas break so I think it was like two weeks to just basically kick around in Sicily, Italy and there's this volcano there called Mount Etna. Yep. And you can hike up to the top of it. So we were like alright let's uh, plan out a, a little excursion. We're gonna go hike up to the volcano and a couple guys in the platoon like go outside and look and they're like let's just go right from the bottom and we're like well now you can drive up halfway you know then we'll hike up a couple thousand feet and the guys are like oh no way let's just start from the bottom so then they start looking at a map topographical map you know and you're looking in there and you're like well I mean unless you want to hike up you know 8,000 feet today then I would suggest 
that we just take the road up and then hike halfway up the mountain. Was this point man's suggestion? Yeah, it's the point man's suggestion. <laughs> Give me the map. And of course, <laughs> and of course, the other guys are like, "There's no way that whole mountain's only 2,000 feet." Well, so you pulled out, look at, it, and you're like, "Huh?" Huh? So definitely, when you're you know you're out hiking and you're doing orienteering, always double check on a map or on your GPS before you get on the trail. So what good is a cell phone on a hike if you don't get reception? What tools can you use? Well, if you, like anything else though, I mean, even if you have two broken legs, you can still crawl. Yeah. And eventually at some point you'll get reception. And the difference between, you know, I mean, you can bleed out in under an hour. So if for some reason you did get attacked by a mountain lion or had a compound fracture and cut your artery, uh, you know, if, the, if you had your cell phone on you and you could at least make it half a mile to a spot where you could get reception yep. and your car's parked three miles away, they could land a helicopter right here and save your life in under an hour. So is this fair to say uh, this is the, the most physically exerting podcast? 100%. You know? <laughs> not, even, not even within. Not even close. Not even close. Well, there was another one I had to get out of the car. <laughs> oh, shit. What? No, shit. Oh. Yeah, we've taken, Actual shit on the ground. We've taken this mobile podcast to a whole new level. It was like that time we were hiking out of the Grand Canyon. Did you kept... tell him that story? I don't think so. Oh, my God. So this is why I don't trust Mike. What? Still. Well, you do trust me. <laughs> he says, oh, we're going to go to the Grand Canyon. We're only going to hike a little bit. Right? You Turns can't go out. to the Grand Canyon and hike a little bit. I just thought we were possible? going down to get some views. Well, a I said, we're pictures. just going to go down a little bit. We'll yeah, turn we'll around. just go down a little bit of the way. <laughs> you know, like all the tourists do? Yeah. No. We're five miles in, and I'm like, when are we turning around? Right? Did you we're pack for a hike? Bottom. Right? Well, when we got to the ranger station where they stop you and they give you the brief. That if you don't have enough water, you, you need have to You have to have out. enough water, and they tell you, if a helicopter has to come down and get you, it doesn't matter if it's your fault or not, you're paying at least $15,000 out of your pocket. Oh, so, really? Yeah. That's a good brief. So I looked at Mike, <laughs> and I was like, well, we're turning around, right? He's like, no, we're going to hike the whole thing from rim to rim. I'm like, are you shitting me right now? You Absolutely know, said, but not. the good thing is, there's a bar at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. There's a bar. Yes. <laughs> the best, like a, best like a shack with a cooler. Not. The best not. They sell beer. But they sell beer. No way. Yes. Yeah, so there we, really was? Yeah. So we oh get down God. to the bottom, and it turns out, so people who do want to hike from rim to rim, you can hike down to the bottom. They have like a, what do you call them? Like, campsite down there. Like a campsite. So people normally stay down there for a couple days, you know, then hike out. Wow. So I thought that's what we were going to do. We did not. We kept pushing after two beers. We were just playing it by ear. It took, what, 19 hours? Yeah. <clears throat> no way. 19-hour straight hike. Yeah. Were you pa did you pack for a hike? Yeah, we, I did. Uh, this is all I had. This. <laughs> I, I had everything packed. We you, actually, you knew how far you were going? Yeah, he knew. Yeah. I didn't know. I, I had planned it out, and I, I saw where the water stations were. <laughs> Brought some bars. So you know hours. he's a point man, right? It was, it, it's definitely so the, the elevation he knows exactly, change. He knows exactly where they're going. In our pictures and videos, I'm so happy and excited. The first like five miles. And then on like mile, what, 12, 
I'm like in tears and piss and like, don't talk to me. <laughs> it was it was dark when we left and it was dark when we got back. Jesus. <laughs> Awful. When we left at the top of the mountain, I mean, it was fairly cold out. By the time we got to the, to the bottom in the basin, they had a thermometer down there in the campsite and it was 95 degrees. Wow. So, yeah. So yeah, definitely don't attempt it in the summertime. Definitely I, I would go in either spring or fall would be the best. All right. To the top. Look at that. We did it. Alright, All right, it's first leg down. Only got about 18 more miles to go. Alright, everybody hydrate here. I should have brought water. Lace up your shoes. <laughs> 18 more miles, I should have brought water. Fix any hot spots on your feet. It's, it's incredible. The country the way that we were founded and today's March 3rd it's a day to vote and we're on top of a mountain on a Tuesday doing a business marketing podcast mm. talking about Forge talking about the Murph challenge I mean this is digital hospitality at its best I mean we met each other because of a connection on Yelp that you guys got you to our restaurant and mm. thankfully you liked the food that you had and tagged us on Instagram and we were just talking on the hike up that no matter what business you're in if you're not digital you're gonna miss out on opportunities like this. And that's to forge an ultimate friendship and a connection with another business owner, with other entrepreneurs, with people that are doing things for great causes. And I mean, the Murph Challenge, the campaigns that you guys do, there's a reason why so many people are drawn to your brand. And I know that it's not just a logo. It's not just words on a t-shirt. It means so much more. And it's back to the flag and it's back to forge which is on your hat it's back to the murph everything you do you're waiting for an email right now you're working literally as we're hiking up here waiting on your designer to help you put into production the next murph challenge so that you can continue to further your mission which is doing good for veterans yeah, yeah i appreciate those words sean yeah sincerely and if I could give advice to, to any entrepreneur out there, exactly what Sean is saying, take advantage of all of the digital marketing content out there, even your Facebook, Instagrams, Twitters, all that stuff is really free to set up. You know, getting on Yelp and TripAdvisor, being able to promote your business, it's, it's literally free to set up. And you got to create that grassroots movement first you have to get that core audience no business ever grows without that core audience so getting those core customers to come into your restaurant getting those core customers that really believe in your brand that know it's more than just putting an american flag on a shirt anybody can go put an american flag on a shirt but you got to give meaning to that shirt there's dedication and sacrifice and lots of adversity that's been overcome in this brand and your brand and any good success story out there, you have to build an audience that really believes in the core of your product. And you have to deliver a quality product. You have to give them a reason to want to believe in your product. And to spread the word to other people, you know? Exactly. If, if, if someone really believes in your product, it's like if someone goes into a bad restaurant and, and they have a bad experience, what do they do? They go tell their friends, don't ever go in that place. 100 that correct. food was terrible. It was cold. If they have a good experience, what do they do? They get on Yelp and they're like, oh my God, this was the best experience I ever had. So if, 
if someone has a bad experience, they're going to talk about it. If someone has a good experience, they're going to talk about it. So I mean, you definitely want to be on the top tier of that conversation. You're absolutely right. And if it wasn't for us as business caring about every single customer that came in beforehand, before you guys even came into the restaurant, if we didn't have a strong Yelp profile, if we didn't have strong reviews, if we didn't have great photos of our food, mm -hmm. you wouldn't have gone. You right. wouldn't even have come to Spring Valley. I mean, we're off the beaten path. And that's one of the things that we talk about every week on Digital Hospitality. We want to show entrepreneurs, business owners, people that are in a position to do things for their company, that there's an incredible world on the internet that allows people to get to know your brand. But that's just the surface. That's one part. That's the digital part. The hospitality part is this. There's the human side, the human element, the human story, which you guys stand for, not by the things that are on the exterior, but the things that are on the inside the way that you live exactly. your life, the way that you post every day, the things that you support. And you support things no matter if they're controversial or not because it's true to you and true to your brand. Right. It's exactly a living right. brand, you know? You can't be scared of it. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I run into entrepreneurs and business owners is that they're scared that their employees or their staff are going to post something about their business and that it's going to bring all this negative attention to their business. Or as an owner, that they're going to get criticized for taking a stand or, you know, we're a Chargers bar. And yes, when the Chargers left and we said that we were still a Chargers bar, all the people that were anti-Chargers, they came out us, they came at us trolls at the internet. They came at really? us, but we, we stood strong for who we are and who we believed in. And we made a stance. We made a stance that the New York Times came out and they wrote an article that came out in the front pages of sports, sports page of the New York, uh, New York Times talking about our restaurant. That's amazing. Which is incredible, mm -hmm. but that's only because we're willing to take a stand. You know, and you guys are willing to take a stand to do things that you believe in because of what you fought for, what you fought 100%. for. And I think that's the most exciting thing about the world that we live in is that there's so much opportunity for a small business owner, mid-sized business owner to get all kinds of exposure for their business, but they have to be willing to put in that work, mm -hmm. you know, and you even said that you were, you know, social media was something that was difficult for you and Sam helped you, you know, like the partnership that you guys have now creating content because it's not people look at it from the outside and they're like, oh, this is incredible. You have all these followers. There's all these people. They love your brand. Talk about the behind the scenes work that it takes to actually oh, yeah. it understand the tone. Followers. It took, that took time, you know, to build that content and being the face of your brand, you know? That's the biggest thing. People want to associate a face with the brand and know you're living what you're, the message that you're putting out there. You know, we always say we are forged, right? And what does that mean, being forged? You, you definitely have to live your brand. Uh, there's, just like you said, Sean said, there's a lot of people out there that'll just tell you, hey, this is a great place to go, or this is a great company. But if you can't relate to that company, if you don't give your customer something to want to come back for you're not going to hook that customer in you have to give them something back it, it, it's if somebody comes to my website they want to go through that website and they want to feel like they bettered themselves just by being on that website they want to go to sean's restaurant and come out of there and be like wow you know what that was a great meal and sean came over and talked to me and he just told me about smoking ribs or his great barbecue sauce which you gotta try the barbecue jalapeno sauce from cali comfort barbecue i'm not I just giving a plug a plug because sean's yeah. here sam drinks that stuff like <laughs> like like it's bud light <laughs> but it's it, it's definitely great but, but but seriously you have to you have to give your customers something you have to give them some value they have to feel like when they come to your website or they support your brand that there's some added value to your life and by doing that you have to get out and you have 
have to live your brand. Yeah. It, it, it's not easy. You know, the old saying we have in the SEAL teams is you're not living until you're out of your comfort zone. If it was easy to start a business, then everybody would do it, but it, it isn't. And it, it's even harder to run your business successfully. I, I've been doing you know, forts now for 12 years and it, it's still a learning curve. Today we're working, walking up the hill right here. I'm waiting for the MRF designs to get finalized. We've got some other projects running. Yeah. You can never stop working as an entrepreneur. People will look at you as an entrepreneur and be like, oh, that's great. You get to travel and you're not on a set work schedule but you're always working. You're always working. If you're not working, you're putting everyone below you at risk. All of your employees, everyone that's under you is at risk if you're not working. Yeah. So you do have a lot of weight on your shoulders to keep that company afloat and keep your company productive and keep it growing. 2020 Murph Challenge, what's going down? If uh, you're not familiar with the Murph Challenge, the Murph Challenge is a fitness related workout that is based off of the Hero Wad Murph, which is in honor of Navy SEAL Michael Murphy, who uh, was awarded the Medal of Honor during Operation Red Wings. The workout consists of a one mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and another one mile run. And if that's not enough to kick your ass, then you can add a 20 pound weight vest while you do all of those runs and all of those workout programs. <laughs> and you don't need to be a Navy SEAL. You don't need to be a professional athlete. You can be someone that's out of shape like me. And Mike is gonna give us some tips on how to actually uh, get prepared for the Murph Challenge. Yeah, it can definitely be intimidating. Um, if you're not in that good of physical shape, or even if you're just an average civilian and you don't like to do a lot of pull-ups or push-ups, if you take a look at it, you're like, well, 100 pull-ups. Uh, the first rule is you don't have to do everything in a row. Most people can look at it and they're like, I can't do 100 pull-ups in a row. Well, I can probably count the people on one hand who can do 100 pull-ups in a row, especially with a 20-pound weight vest on. So if, when you look at it, don't get intimidated by it. You just break it down and proportion out the exercises. Uh, I wouldn't say to proportion out the run. Definitely do the one-mile run all at once. But it, as far as the pull-ups, push-ups, and squats go, uh, an easy formula that people like to do, and I usually do this, is I break it down into 20 sets. So we'll do 20 sets of five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, and 15 squats. So you just keep repeating that cycle again and again and again. And a little tip to help you out, because once your brain starts sweating and turning to mush because of all of the hard workout you're going through and all the adversity hits you, you'll be like, was I on set seven? Was I on set 11? I can't remember. And you know, your, your mind will probably be telling you you're on 11, but your body's really telling you you're on set seven. So if you can take a piece of chalk, write it on the floor, take a little notepad with you, write it in your phone, but have something, use some rocks, whatever you want, but have something to count out all of your reps for you and all of your sets for you. It makes it a lot easier to do. And a proper push-up. What's a proper push-up? A proper push-up, I, I can demonstrate a proper push-up here. It's probably easier to tell from the side. So if I get in a proper push-up position here, I want to have my back straight and my head up. And I'm going to go down and I'm going to touch my chest to the deck. I'm all the way down and then I'm going to come completely back up. So a proper push-up demonstrated would look like this.
Now, if you can't do a proper push-up, you can scale the exercise and you could do a push-up on your knees. So if you have to do a push-up on your knees, everyone's familiar with, just go down, keep your knees on the ground, and you can do push-ups like this. Now, don't be intimidated at the start if you can't do a proper push-up and you have to do push-ups on your knees, that's fine. Just keep working on doing push-ups on your knees until you can do a proper push-up. And I wouldn't even let that intimidate you enough to not do the Murph Challenge. If you have to do the entire Murph Challenge, all of the push-ups in the Murph Challenge on your knees, that's fine. You can scale the entire workout if you have to, but just keep building on that and building on that so the next year, maybe you can do half a Murph Challenge with regular push-ups and then half with push-ups on your knees. Eventually, you will be able to do the entire Murph Challenge with the proper push-ups, proper pull-ups, and proper squats. So some points of performance for, for doing a proper body weight squat is you want to stand with your feet shoulder width apart. Make sure all of the weight is back on your heels. So if you can lift your toes off the ground and wiggle them, you're in the proper position. So the first thing you want to do is kick your butt out. You're going to kick your butt out. You want to squat down until your knees are at a 90 degree angle. So just think if you were to put a marble on your knee, it should roll back. So a little less than 90 degrees. And then you're gonna come up until you're standing straight up. Now I'm gonna come back down, 90 degrees, and back up. A little less than 90 degrees, back up. So April 1st, 2020, Murph Challenge registration opens. And you've given us some great tips for a civilian like me to know that I actually can participate and give back. Um, I'm really excited. I really appreciate the time and all the uh, tips oh, that you guys gave you. here on top of uh, Mother, Mother Mount Miguel. And we appreciate it as well. I'm sorry, I was gonna add to go to the Murph Challenge, follow Forge, Absolutely. follow. Everything we, everything we talked about on the hike today will yeah. be in the show notes. Um, please be sure to follow these guys on all their social handles, reach out, um, buy some rad gear, um, it'll help you every single day. I've been doing a sunrise gratitude on Cali Comfort Barbecue Instagram. Um, I'm wearing forged gear because it helps me feel like I have a higher purpose. Um, we love I appreciate that. that. No, and thank that, you. That's a testament to your brand. Um, the fact that what you guys are doing, it means so much to all of us as Americans and as citizens. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Shen. And thanks for your support. Yeah. And check out the uh, behind the scenes episode that we're going to do uh, from the gun range today. Um, these guys are going to teach us some, uh, some, some real tricks.